Welcome! Welcome to the 50th episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me is a man who has now learned how the Apple TV service works. It's producer Mason. (laughs) How are you doing this week, Mason? Uh, feeling quite embarrassed to have quite a bit of egg on my face. <laughs> um, yeah, I completely got that wrong about Apple TV last week. My bad. And also joining us from somewhere in uh, West St. Louis County is a man who showed up to an audio-only podcast sporting his best Lutz Fine and Steel cosplay. It's Sean Campbell. How's your week been, Sean? Oh, just peachy. Absolutely topped off with the cherry. And I'm ready to go. <laughs> Domed off. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been sweet, is what you're saying. One could say that, yes. About as sweet as lead paint. <laughs> that's a uh, that's a joke just for us. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll put out the pre-show clips. Who knows? <laughs> Don't eat the leaded paint, kids. <laughs> just a word from your uh, your uncle Mike. <laughs> but we gotta. We got us a big show this week. Uh, we're going to start you off with uh, what we have for uh, St. Louis City news. We're kind of in a fallow period for news about the first team as we're in between the signings and what will be coming a little later on this year in a big uh, tsunami of news around the World Cup and uh, and then the start of kicking everything off for the franchise. There's a lot going on with uh, the lower divisions, though. There is, and uh, we start off with uh, the MLS Next Pro team, St. Louis City SC2. Uh, was this at home or the way on the road this week? This was away. This was the third of three road games. Um, might remember last week we talked about uh, the first two of this road trip, but uh, yeah, we closed out the the road trip in Kansas City and this was uh not quite our toughest opponent like I had kind of speculated um because you know Colorado had brought down their first hey, team they were playing the MLS team <laughs> yeah um but this was our second toughest opponent in this road trip and this was a come from behind victory uh for for City 2 um it was it was a really good game. We watched it live. Some of you might have tuned in for uh, the the Twitter Spaces that myself and Mike did. Um, I <laughs> not a lot of you, I know, but <laughs> some of you did. Um, a couple, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, we were watching this game, and uh, City Two did their thing in the first half. But there were a couple of defenses la- defensive lapses, and SKC- SKC2 pounced on them and converted one into a goal really early, I think in the 14th minute. And uh, from there, uh, St. Louis City looked quite good in this game, really dominating proceedings. But it uh, did go into, into the half at that scoreline of 1-0 uh, to the hosts. Uh, but in the second half, Cecilio Pompeu uh, picked up an assist. He got across to Max Schneider. He found the back of the net in the 64th minute. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, substitutes came on. One yep. of those substitutes was uh, Carson Gibbs. And in the 66th minute, he got picked up a foul in the box shortly after coming on. Uh, 
Max Schneider also came on and uh, buried his penalty kick in a well-taken penalty there. And uh, that gave him the 2-1 lead. And uh, that held on, held it on for the victory. Yeah. I, uh, even, even after that, that first half goal, I thought that the guys played well. Um, it, it was a very good showing from us in the first half, minus, you know, those couple of defenses, defensive lapses. Um, and then we were strong in the second half too. And I think this is a well-earned scoreline and a well-earned victory. Right now, City 2 is playing extremely well. We're hot. Uh, yeah. Hot. As they say. Uh, yeah, they're unbeaten in six straight games, went 2-0-1 on their three-game road trip. And the one being a, you know, giving up a goal in the 96th minute uh, after, <laughs> what was it, four minutes of stoppage time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, against Colorado and their MLS squad that started the game. And we still won that game in the in the shootout. Um, yeah, and picked yeah. up a point there. So, yeah, I should be uh, seven points out of uh, three games. That's pretty good. Needs to be said that we are unbeaten in regulation because this streak does include that loss to San Jose in the shootout. But that still shows up as an unbeaten scoreline. It's just yes. the extra point for, you know, because. Yeah, it, 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 because. it's very weird because it is uh, MLS Next Pro operates kind of on like hockey rules where you like split points if you go to like overtime basically but it's also treated like soccer rules where if you draw at at the end of regulation it is just called a draw and not a loss regardless of what happens in the shootout so that's why i put in that qualification qualification in regulation yeah and uh with the victory city two advanced up to second place in the division in the conference uh, tied for second, I should say, in a, basically a dead heat with uh, North Texas from uh, FC Dallas's academy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, how close is it for second place right now? <laughs> you, you guys, know. Sean, remember when I sent this to you yesterday? <laughs> I was literally going to say, um, extremely close is a bit of an understatement, and I, I'm sure. Mason, I'm sure you're going to go over the stat line to be more specific, but when you guys hear the stat line, just it's basically the exact same. Yeah. So St. Louis City 2 and North Texas SC are the same on points, games played, wins, losses, draws, goal differential. It is basically the same stat line. Um, the differences, <laughs> the only differences are that we have more goals for and against than they do, but they're by two, so it's the same goal differential. And we have played more home games than they have, so we have a different home record, and they've played more away games, so they have a different away record. It is basically the same stat line. And even more surprising, I looked up the tiebreaker rules. You did, because I was too lazy to do so. <laughs> um I, I looked up the tiebreaker rules for MLS Next Pro, and as much as I hate doing it, I think that this is a novelty case where we could do it. If the season ended now, uh, to decide who got that second spot, you know, for seeding, uh, City 2 would get it and only go three items down on on the rules. What because was the tiebreaker? Was it 
Uh, it was it was total goals four. Uh, total goals four. Yes. Okay. That would because, have been my first guess, to be quite honest. Yeah, because it 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 goes uh, uh, the first three at least I I know is is wins in regulation, goal differential, and then total goals four. And since we have more total goals four than they do, even though we have the same goal differential, we win that tiebreaker. That's interesting to know. Uh really could come into play uh, there's good teams in this conference yeah. uh good good academies out there and good uh, developmental teams uh in this conference so it could come down to that by the end of the season yeah the rules and regulations for mls next pro play are on the website and they're not tremendously hard to find you have to like go to like the about page and then scroll down all the way down to the very bottom and it's in like the the kind of like site navigation at the bottom. Yeah. But it's it's not tremendously hard to find. It's not hidden. It's not buried. Um and if you if you like Google like MLS Next Pro like rules, it's one of the first results. It's pretty easy to get. Um surprisingly transparent, honestly. I do think it's it's you have to you have to state it though that uh, it's kind of hard for them to bury anything on a website that has next to nothing on it. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. <laughs> Although we're about to. <laughs> oh but, no! <laughs> but uh, City Two will return home to face the uh, Real Monarchs once uh, again. Yep, on June twenty fifth. Which happens to be my birthday. I was going to say, what else is happening on June 25th? Uh, <laughs> Everyone say a happy early birthday to Mike. Yeah, it's my do we have time to? I mention birthday. <laughs> no, no, you do not. I have had my fill of birthdays. Let's just, uh, without saying how many it's been, I've had my fill. Uh, let's put it this way. Uh, if you put a cake with candles on it, it really should be done outdoors because the threat of fire would be immense. Uh- <laughs> so on top of being the first home game after the road trip and it being Mike's birthday, even though he doesn't want us to acknowledge it, uh, this is also going to be the first uh, theme night for the club in any regard. And it's going to be Pride Night. Because it's Pride Month, yada yada. Um, they are the club is going to have some custom banners and stuff up, um, and also they're going to be selling shirts. Uh, don't know what the shirts are. They didn't have like a mock up or anything, but we can assume uh, rainbows on the shirt. That's pretty easy. Uh, the players are going to wear those shirts out onto the pitch. Um, they're also going to be for sale, and. And the proceeds for those sales are going to go to the You Can Play project, which is uh, a charity that works with MLS along with the NFL, the NHL, a lot of the big fours um, and other like, you know, the NCAA, the WNBA, you know, sports leagues um, to try to promote like, you know, LGBT and queer athletes. Um, so, all in all, it, it's decent. Um, you know, still have not addressed that sentine situation at all. Um, I don't think they ever will. I don't think they ever we will. Knew they Tertia- it's we knew they weren't going to say a thing. Yeah. It's tertiary to them. Yeah. And centene, 
they don't even know that they had donated to somebody that was doing that. They just throw money around like crazy. Yeah. Because that's who they are. I mean, when we were talking about that situation, what did I say? They're never going to say anything about this. And then when June comes around, they're going to sell shirts. And that's exactly what happened. At the very least, they are donating the proceeds from the shirt and not just taking profit. So give them a little bit more credit than I gave them before. But it's basically exactly how I said. Yeah. And also, uh, like before every home game, uh, for all the supporters out there, there'll be a place to gather. The St. Luligans are setting it up. You probably find a lot of the other supporter groups that are peripheral around, and they're also worthy of attention. And uh, they are supporting the Metro Trans Umbrella Group, a local St. Louis charity that supports trans people in greater St. Louis. And uh, they are also supporting them through the month as part of their pride raiser that they've been uh, doing for quite some time. I would uh, send you to their website for more information and to find out how to donate, get involved if you're so inclined and capable. Yeah. Um, Pride Raiser is a very cool uh, initiative that raises money uh, through supporters groups for local queer charities. The Luligans have this year picked uh, Metro Trans Umbrella. Um but it kind of works like sponsoring a marathon runner almost. Um, you donate a, a certain dollar amount per goal. And so the more goals the team scores, the more money you raise. You can also just like flat donate as well. Um, but Pride Razor is a very cool thing. The Luligans have been supporting them for as long as I've known about the Luligans, maybe even before. Uh, I found out about Pride Razor through the Luligans. Um, it's a very cool project, um, and Metro Trans Umbrella is a very good group. They do a lot of very good work. So this is cool and good, and I like it. And uh, I, there's also some people out there that uh, just want to go and see some live soccer in the area. Kickoff will be at 6 p.m. at Route Cordy Stadium it, across the river. You can cross it. We're over here. We don't bite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As Twitter stated, no passport needed to cross the river. <laughs> Is this right? 6 p.m. kickoff? Mm-hmm. Not yeah. 7 usual, but uh, yeah. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. kickoff. Tailgate starts at 4. Uh, Real Monarchs are the only winless team in MLS Next Pro. They've RSL's had some injuries. They've pulled up quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> done pretty well with that, to be honest. We'll get to that a little later. Yeah. Uh, Real Salt Lake is doing fine, but the Monarchs are struggling. Didn't the Monarchs win USL Championship just a couple, three, four years ago? Not long ago. Yeah, they used to be a powerhouse. Uh, uh, but that, that's how development leagues go. You know, 10 and 2. Yeah, they were good. And now they're playing in the MLS. That's, yeah. that's why you go see the City 2 games. You don't know who's going to be playing in MLS next year. The year after, year after that, uh, we all we all speculate on on who from this team right now is going to make the first team, but you never know. But yeah, uh, Real Monarchs are o ten and two, and they have lost both of those draws in the shootout. It's been a brutal stretch, but it's also a very good opportunity for us who have been very hot to pounce on a uh, on a real prey animal. Of yep. a team. <laughs> City 2 is carrying a 4-2-1 home record. 
uh, into the game. It's uh, one of the very best in the Western Conference. This is a good team. Uh, they've got some kids, some college kids, younger ones, but really there's. Uh, it's also loaded with some pros, some experienced people uh, playing for a chance to get on that igno- inaugural roster. Easy for me to say. Uh, and it's a chance to come out and see him play. They play quite well at home. The crowds are fantastic since uh, we don't have a real MLS. It's probably one of the very best, if not the best, atmosphere in MLS Next Pro. Her crowds are certainly better than they are in Chicago. <laughs> that's that's will... not hard to beat when the bar's on the floor. <laughs> yeah. uh, doubtful will be able to make this one, perhaps, but uh, doubtful. Uh, but uh, we'll be watching on the live stream on MLSNextPro.com, and you can as well if you're not able to make it out to the game. But I highly encourage you to do so. It's a very good time. So that's what we got for uh, City SC. The uh, City SC Academies are wrapping up their actual season, and it's uh, heading into the uh, MLS Next Cup playoffs. Uh, Those happen coming up this weekend as well. Uh, the format is a March Madness style single elimination starting the round of 32. Uh, of course, St. Louis City SC will have two age divisions here, the 16s and 17s. Uh, big tournament, 32 teams in each age division for more advanced or more well-fleshed or teams that have, you know, had more than a few months to have their academies up and running may have up to four divisions in this. Uh, And in addition, there'll be showcase games where some teams that didn't qualify for the playoffs will compete against other teams because it is academy and you want these kids to grow in a showcase event. It's good for their development. Uh, And the U16s, they start play on June 25th as well, 11 a.m. Central Time. So what's listed here. And uh, since Mason did the research on this particular issue, I'll go ahead and let him take over. Yeah. So U16s, they play their game on the 25th in the morning. Um, As far as I know, June 25th is the start of MLS Next Cup. So this is like first day early in the morning. Um, But... The U16s qualified after finishing second in their division, the Mid-America division, uh, and they will be facing off against FC Boston Bolts in the round of 32. Uh, The Boston Bolts finished third in the Northeast division, so it's going to be... I didn't really look at stat lines, wins and losses, things like that, but... Looking at standings, this is going to be a pretty evenly matched game, I think. Um, And the winner, I really wanted to talk about this because the winner is going to face off against either RSL Arizona or Ballistic United. What a name. Ballistic United. What a name. If if their supporters group does not have an ICBM chant, then they're doing something wrong. Uh, They they only shoot with, they only score from howitzers outside the box. Yeah. Really spectacular name on that club. But um, those will be uh, 
the winner of that group will advance to face the winner of our matchup. So, and that would be the following day, as they don't play around with these playoffs. Yeah, uh, I, the playoffs. to death playoffs. But yeah, like like we said, there's right. <laughs> there's 128 teams in this competition. They gotta they gotta get through it, get it kicking. Yeah, um, but yes, round of 16 will be played the next day um, in the evening at 7 p.m. But for the U16s. As for the uh, U-17s from the Academy, they will begin play on Sunday, June 26, 9 in the morning in Frisco, Texas. Uh, they qualified via MLS Next Flex Tournament. Uh, not to be confused with MLS Next Fest Tournament, which is completely and utterly different. And Mike definitely did not confuse in a cut that did not make the air. <laughs> Absolutely not. And... Uh, the U-17s actually finished, uh, after a very good start to the season, finished fifth in the Central South Division, uh, listed as a 2-5-5 five, five record. They averaged one point, yeah, about one and two-thirds goals every uh, match, but gave up nearly three and a half goals per match. They're lined up against FC Delco, named after old AM car radios, I guess. No, I think they're named after Delaware County. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was old AM car radios. Uh, they're from Pennsylvania. They finished first place in the Mid-Atlantic Division. Uh, they had an 8-0-1 record. Powerhouse. They, yeah, they look pretty tough. They averaged three goals a game and only gave up just barely over a half a goal per game. The U-17s seem to be up against a tough one. Uh, don't know how the divisions rank or how the other teams did. Just don't, don't know that. If, if the U-17s can advance, they'll play June 27th, 5 p.m. against the winter, winner of Sounders FC against Solar SC. And then if they advance from there, the quarterfinals will be on June 29th. So this uh, tournament just progresses along. The finals actually themselves for the U-17s will be on uh, July 3rd. Yeah. But um, I think that this is actually going to be more interesting than it sounds on paper because the U-17s did really poorly in league play, but they have competed very well in tournaments. They have. So who knows? They they performed pretty well until City Two started too, and that seemed to you know some of the better players all came over to Aaron Hurt City comes two, to mind. Jack Mayer. There's a, quite a few uh, that have come over to play in the development league. Is what you want from an academy? Yeah, it's not how the academy performs. It's it's the development league is a little bit more. You want to focus on results. The academy you want to focus on the development to push them forward. Yeah, but this is like watching like the like the double A or triple A playoffs. You know, these games still matter and you get to see how your guys compete under pressure. And uh, our the U-17s in particular have performed under pressure, even if they didn't put up a very strong performance in league play. The reason why they're here is because they won their group in MLS Next Flex, which was a tournament. Yeah, so. And they had some big wins there, and and they're playing against teams that have had fully fleshed academies for years and years and years or decades, uh, with uh, multiple age groups. So they played together, played their ways up. They've done all this. This is a new academy, brand new academy, not even a year old. So, uh, 
to get here to both uh, both age groups to be playing in this is really quite an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, Delco is going to be a very tough opponent. Um, it appears, yeah. And I don't really see the U-17s advancing. It'll be quite an upset if they do. But there's they, talent there. Yeah, and they perform under pressure. So who knows? The U-16s are evenly matched and they played very well. They finished second in their group or in their division. So that's going to be a well-fought game. Yeah, that pretty much wraps up everything we have about the uh, the home club this week. Uh, we got a some busy week in MLS. And of course, we like to talk about MLS because... Well, that's where St. Louis City SC is going to be playing. Uh, so might as well pay some attention to it. And uh, to give us some of the rundown, we've got Sean Campbell. All right. So we've got some MLS news to cover this week. Uh, we're going to start off a little differently. Instead of diving right on into the matches, we're going to start off with some transfer news slash rumors. First off, we have Columbus Crew coming in with their club record signing of Cucho Hernandez, signing him away from Watford for $10 million. Signed him as a young DP. Uh, just a little bit of background on Cucho. He signed in to Watford in 2017, although he spent most of his time there on loan to various La Liga sides. He ended up making his debut with Watford in the 2021-22 season, scoring five goals in 24 appearances. And he has made some recent appearances with his Colombian national team. So this could be real big for Columbus. It could be. Uh, there's a lot of talk about it uh in MLS After Dark on the MLS Today podcast uh, feed, Stu Holden dropped in, and he was actually, one of his loans was to Mallorca that Stu Holden is a part owner of, and he called him a player. He goes, this guy is really going to add something to Columbus. So if he can get him to play quicker, and their wing play's been terrible the last two years, just really let them down. Even yeah, Columbus needs the help. If he can add anything to the attack... And they played pretty well this week. Uh, that'll be a big pickup for them. Yeah. I, I The thing that stands out to me is the $10 million. But it's something like the fifth or seventh largest transfer in MLS history. Yeah, I don't mean the, the $10 million going just to this guy. I mean, Columbus has been sitting on $10 million and they haven't done anything with it to try to help their club before now. Columbus well, is as bad. We, <laughs> as we've discussed many, 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 many times before, you know, there's all those different buckets and hoops and, and ladders and all kinds of hurdles to try to get around so that you don't end up like Miami did in trying yes, to bring in new transfers. There's talent on this team. They just haven't been performing. Uh, there's talent there for them to win, and they haven't been performing. So it's really hard to cut it. You're already pretty locked in. Remember, just... Did, we're not far removed from them winning MLS Cup. It was last season, and everybody thought they were going to dominate coming into the last season, and it didn't happen. Well, yeah, because that's the Caleb Porter cycle. They win one, they lose one, they win one, they lose one. But this is broken that. They are they lost last year, and they're losing now. Yeah, they. but they're slow. They're slow in their style of play. They're very slow. They're just not getting anything from the wing play. If he can come in and just inject excitement and speed. And uh, the next rumor mill is a team that uh, this year didn't get a lot of talent, but injected excitement and speed into their team and been playing fairly well to the surprise of a lot of folks. And that would be Inter Miami. 
Oh, yeah. Inter-Miami making transfer news yet again, except this time it's supposedly on the good side. I don't know how they're going to swing this one, but rumor has it they're pretty close to a deal with one Mario Gotze from PSV. That's right. That German player. Um, he's only 30 years old, but he's having a bit of a revival in his career. Uh, he's scored 18 goals and provided 18 assists for a total of 36 direct contributions to the club in 77 games in this stint with PSV. Um, but again, Miami are going to have to be real, real careful in the way that they navigate this. So they don't end up in another Matuidi situation um, yeah. and end up handcuffing themselves for another three years. Yeah, there's quite a few uh, Dortmund fans amongst the listeners. One to do with so many Americans playing there exciting team then you got signing of roman berkey Goethe was there injured sick he actually had a bit of a illness going on uh, i i'm actually surprised that he's been that prolific on his uh revival with uh, psv but outside of the top two possibly three teams in psv that's a league that's probably below mls caliber uh, on the other hand, 18 goals, 18 assists on 77 appearances is a nuts scoreline. I was going to say, I don't, is, I don't yeah. care what league you're in. I don't care what league you're in. 36 direct contributions and 77 appearances. That's almost, you know, one every other game. That's nothing to sneeze at regardless of league. Yeah, he, he, we know he's talented, but he's been up and down since his early years. See how it goes. It could be yes. a coup for Inter Miami. It could be something to really set them back. If it's a TAM level signing and not a DP, that's a big deal for Inter Miami. They need to keep that powder dry as they try to rebuild from the horrific start to MLS. Yeah. I like, oh, yeah. you know, this isn't FIFA. This is a real football club, but that's a FIFA scoreline. That's the kind of scoreline you get when you're playing FIFA as be a pro. Yeah, but also remember yeah. in the era of it's an extremely uh, offensive league. So you'll get numbers that are outside. Look at what uh, Josie Altidore did before he went to uh, uh, Sunderland. His numbers were outrageously great. Uh, well, I think that one. I think that one depends on. Successful. Was he drinking beer there, or did he start drinking beer when he went to Sunderland? Well, <laughs> being a Sunderland fan, I could tell you that uh, he probably had a couple. In uh, in the Netherlands, and then he had a more tremendous than a amount in Sunderland. Uh, yeah, yeah, that seems to be what's been happening around that club for years and years and years. And, and a little bit of a tangent, but it's surprising, like with the rise of the uh, the Premier League, that like English football culture has gone from being like, yeah, like you go down, you have a couple of pints at the pub, and then you come and you kick the footy to being what like the biggest sports league in in the world you're gonna get some of that bleed over of yeah you just go a couple of have a couple of pints and play the footy <laughs> plus Sunderland is you know just that kind of uh town that city that uh if you show up in the bar everybody's going to buy you a pint next thing you know you're hanging around having a good time and you're not playing uh it can get that way pretty quick Moving on, what's next on the uh, rumor mill? We got one last one for you, and I think this one's pretty much confirmed. Um, Atlanta United, who are on the uptick, but we'll get to that in a little bit, uh, they signed Raul Goudinho 
Uh, terms for that contract I have not yet found, but they're signing him away from Chivas in Liga Mekis. The 26-year-old keeper has already made appearances for El Tri, uh, most recently in the 2019 Nations League, but I think a lot of the fact he hasn't played is thanks to our good friend Billy the Goat. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, El Tri. When, when you're playing behind him. Wall. Yeah, when you can't play ahead of him, it means, it doesn't mean you're bad, it just means Billy the Goat's being Billy Goat. Yeah, you so. got a yeah, you you got a great all-time sort of goalkeeper ahead of you. <laughs> but yeah, he Raul's Raul has shown pretty well on on his club side as well. He's got forty-one clean sheets to his name, and I think hundred and fifty total competitive matches. Uh, he's real young, and he's got plenty of time to go as far as keepers are 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 concerned. Uh, I, I think this is a solid pickup, especially with Brad Gazan going, you know, being out. Um, they just got some players back. They, I think this is a very, very good signing for Atlanta and will really help settle them down and, and this, bring back the run of form we've seen the last couple of years. This is a big signing for Atlanta United. Guzan was just on the latest uh, national broadcast talking about how many years he wants to play. And he's talking about quite a few when he comes back. This doesn't sound like somebody you develop for the future. This sounds like a replacement type of signing to oh, me. Oh, yeah, 100%. I could be wrong. Uh, but I got a feeling there's teams out there that would take Guzan in an instant if they can get him. Vancouver. Yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> God. I yeah, have Vancouver. A frog in my throat. <laughs> Vancouver needs a keeper after they got Kropotol stolen from them. But, uh, uh yeah, Guzan is is good, but also like we we've talked about how like goalies age differently, but like this guy's twenty six. He's yeah. experienced. He's not a rookie that you train up. This is a guy. But they need somebody in the back because they lost their two captains in the back, Guzan and Miles Robinson, and they weren't a good defensive team. And there's been evidence that Atlanta United is kind of gelling on the offensive side. We'll have more about that, but uh, Joseph Martinez looked very good this week. Uh, getting a good goalkeeper to solidify the back could really help this team push on from really what's been a horrible season for them. And they're not in bad place right now to push on for the rest of the season. It is MLS, after all. And of course... The old man Cialini is going to LAFC and will be joining in the next couple of weeks. We've already talked about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and if we're gonna, while we're on the topic of other other players, we've already talked about Ace Ace is officially in Houston, confirmed. Yeah, when, when's his uh, when his uh, when when's his debut day for for Houston? I believe it is July 9th is what they're shooting for. Which, if I remember correctly, I think I said last last time I was on was going to be a derby game against FC Dallas. I could be wrong. Yeah, it I could be. And the I, they're kind of looking at a big game for uh, Cellini to come in for LAFC. And uh, Lorenzo Insigne should be joining the Moribund uh, Toronto FC shortly to do some sort of, uh, you know, atomic ant sort of magic that they really need. Hopefully it's everything he signed up for. Yeah, uh, That yeah. should be coming soon. While we're talking about old guys, I am excited to see Ace Ace. I don't know if you can even call him old, but I think that's enough talking about guys. Yeah, Insigne is not that old either, considering. Yeah, but but, okay, okay, quote unquote old guys then. (laughs) Don't pillory me for this. (laughs) That's fair. But enough about talking about guys. Let's 
let's get into talking about some actual MLS action. And we're going to start off we're going to start off with the most the the most recent MLS game, the one that ended the weekend for match week 15. Um just to get it out of the way, uh Sporting Kansas City go to be. into Nashville. <laughs> SKC go into Nashville and get an absolutely much needed three points uh, after getting several of their their players back into form. Um, and the big the big storylines here being that SKC broke a 25 game home unbeaten streak for Nashville and Nashville didn't go down easy. But another big important piece here is I found an interesting stat that they mentioned on the broadcast. This is the seventh time that Sporting KC have handed a team their first loss in their new stadium. And that's yeah, only I, counting stadiums that. that are still <laughs> in use today. It's unbelievable how many and, times SKC. Oh, so this is going back to the Wiz then, too. Yeah, if you go back to the Wiz, they did it to Houston in the stadium they had prior to the one they have now. And one more that I cannot remember off the top of my head because I didn't put it in my notes. But a total of like nine or ten times that they've done they it to teams it. in in MLS. Real Salt Lake, they did it to LAFC. They did it that I I heard that too, and I was like, that's stunning. It I really have the is. full list here. I have yeah. the full list. The starting with the the earliest one of current stadiums. They did it to Toronto FC at BMO Field in 2007. They did it to Seattle Sounders at CenturyLink Field in 2009. In the same year, they did it to Real Salt Lake at Rio Tinto. They did it in 2013 to the Dynamo at Compass Stadium. In 15 to NYCFC at their quote unquote home stadium with the with the printer paper banner of Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Can we get out <laughs> Yankee as NYCFC's home stadium? Yes, yes. <laughs> That's where they played most of their games. I that know, but I feel like that needs to be qualified. That is their home stadium. <laughs> if they have their if they have their printer paper championship banner there, it's their home stadium, okay? But then they did it again <laughs> in 2018 to LAFC at Bank of California Stadium, and now they've done it in 2022 to Nashville SC at Geodas Park. The if names on this list are incredible. The the names are incredible. Some of these ended up were playoffs teams uh and really competed that year so this list is it, it it goes to show what sporting kc has been yeah through all the years but i will say one thing about nashville at geodas park even though they have this home winning streak since they moved into what is our you know widely considered to be a fabulous venue to play in they haven't been the home juggernaut that you would expect They've uh, haven't really lost, but they haven't been winning either. Not to take away from what Sporting KC did, this is a huge win for Sporting. I mean, also, Nashville is the kind of team that doesn't really win; they eke out draws. Yeah, but <laughs> other than this, the big story in this is that Roger Espinoza doing Concacaf to the best Concacaf bit with the penalty at the end, with the possibly best efficient taking- yellow card ever, ever. Oh, yeah. Getting possibly the most valuable yellow card I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, For those of you that weren't watching the game and having a heart attack right along with me, um, Sporting KC went up to a 2-0 lead, ended up letting one in on the only mistake Cam Duke made in the entire game. Um, Duke and and Hernandez had absolutely phenomenal games in, in the midfield. 
Uh, but one bad mistake, Duke literally just passes the ball away to Columbus or not Columbus. They're both yellow uh, to Nashville and they take it and they score. It's two one Columbus. I keep saying Columbus. Nashville then has the momentum for They're most of yellow. the rest of the game. <laughs> They're both yellow. They have the momentum for most of the rest of the game. But towards the end of the game, the last few minutes, there are a couple of, you know, moments where you look at it in the run, you know, in the in the moment you think, oh, no, is he going to point to the spot? Well, it turns <laughs> out, first off, there was one where it was offside because Hani Mukhtar was a good two yards offside. And that was obvious. So then they have on. another chance. There's another. Well, no, Sapong was also offside, but the original yeah. ball to Mukhtar was offside. Way offside. But the more important one here possibly game-saving moment here is there's a ball put into Muyol and he's about a step and a half offside. Uh, but we don't know that just yet. Ball ends up knocking around in the box a bit. Muyol then, in air quotes, takes some contact and goes down. Oh, he got Referee whacked. points to the spot. <laughs> the way he fell did not look like it. He should have fell that way no, based off the whacked. contact. That's all I'm saying on that. a stone penalty at that glance. And they looked like I'd- they looked at it and they said, "There's nothing to look at here." And then they didn't but that, put the ball. But on it doesn't the matter. Spot. But that doesn't matter because of what happened next. They put the ball on the spot, and then Mukhtar decides the he's going to try to eke it as close to the you know the goal as possible. Roger notices some daylight, but some green between the ball and the spot, and starts pointing at it and saying, "Hey, ref, he's, he needs to move the ball." Doing so gets a yellow for descent. While he's doing that, VAR says. Hey, hey, we need you to check off sides. We think there's an offsides on the play. Ref ah, then says, All right, I'm yeah. going to check the I'm going to check the video. And the stadium's just like, What? No, you can't do that. Checks it. Turns out the initial ball to Muyel was offside, needing the foul. Never happened. But yep, because he it was didn't happen. Offside. Oh yeah. But Rogers still keeps his yellow, which I think is ridiculous. Either way, though. Eh. Saving, turning over a penalty because of an offside. <laughs> Taking the yellow game. to save a penalty shot, I would make that trade I any how day. <laughs> MLS does this is they weren't going to go back and replay the whole game and reofficiate the game like they do in the Premier League, which is the reason why the English fans hate VAR, is because the Premier League does it horribly. Here in MLS, they got the penalty call. Is it is it an uh, clear and obvious foul? No, it is not. Let's move on with the game. But in the fact that Espinoza, did Espinoza actually pick up the ball at one point to get the yellow card? Uh, I think at one point he tried to, and I think that's yeah, why he gave I him think the yellow. That's, yeah, and, uh, but given that time, VAR went ahead and kept looking at the play and going back and go, oh, wait, you know, in the buildup to the play, there's something to really look at here. And to the official's credit, he then ran over to it, looked at it and goes, yeah. Yeah, we all missed that. Hey, he's offside. Yeah, and he no. was offside. Yeah, M- MLS like you're always going to get controversial calls with video review, VAR, whatever you want to call it, in anything. But I think that the video review in MLS is very good, and I think the reason why is that they've taken the best parts of video review in the other big four and implemented them. They did pretty well, um, pretty well. Yeah. But um, also Espinosa picking up the ball and trying to put like trying to pick up the ball and put it on the spot reminds me of Kyle Schwarber or not not Kyle Schwarber uh the uh I think maybe Gabe Kapler I don't know 
some manager for I think the Nationals uh, taking the base up oh, and it throwing it, up, yeah. it throwing it on the other side of the running lane from first base and it's like if you want him to stop there then put the base here <laughs> which is one of the best <laughs> best ejection freakouts i've ever seen but, but that that's for a, another podcast yeah but that's for another podcast uh, but I, a big I, I win for one MKC. last thing to say Big win yes. for KS- SKC. One, one last little tidbit about this, though. Um, after all that, they then had to play nine minutes of stoppage time. <laughs> my <laughs> heart's beating the whole time. After the game, I then heard a little tidbit in my in, in one of my Discord fandom groups. And uh, apparently, Roger Espinosa has a history of taking pieces of turf from places from the first time he plays in a new stadium. And so we were all joking about he took that penalty spot because he saved the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> he should. That was that was. It's the things Kellen Acosta did during the Nations League and Gold Cup run of putting off the Mexican shooters. It kind of goes to those sort of things. It just what you can do, whatever you can do. Just to give you an edge, but to actually stop a penalty kick for whatever reason, did he know he was offsides or is he just being a pest? Oh, it's, it's, he, he didn't it's put the Roger ball on being the Roger. Yeah. It's Roger being Roger because he is a Honduran. <laughs> he has played on their national yeah, he team. Knows. <laughs> he is CONCACAF as CONCACAF can be. It's what he does. But enough about them. Let's move on to the rest of MLS. Let's move on because there was a good week in MLS, actually. Some oh, yeah. Here. Absolutely. Um, another big, you know, big emotional moment was Austin FC. Uh, they played the entire second half down a man and still managed to get a win in Montreal. It's big because they got their first ever win in Canada. So congrats to Los Verdes. And somehow they're still only three points back of LAFC. And um, uh, but this it, is a big deal for Austin because they went in the hard part of their schedule and with a lot of games on the road. And they've picked up a couple of big wins, and they're holding their own. So they look to be a real playoff team. And for a second-year expansion team, they're showing really good signs right now that they're going to oh, hold absolutely. on. So I think a lot them. of that is... I think a lot of that has to do with the, the way that Maxi or Rudy has been playing. He's always played well in yes. Texas, whether he's on a Texas team or not. But Maxi or Rudy is, I believe, in the top 10 all-time for MLS goal scorers, if not at least for the active players, but there's a lot of active players that have been playing for a long time and scoring a lot. He's been up and down, up and down and streaky, but he's having a very, very good year this year. Maxi Rudy is tearing it up in Austin, but also we talked a lot that why Austin is where they are on the table is because they've been facing easy competition no, they're into the real heart and teeth of of their competition now, and they're still performing. This is a good oh, team. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Austin are showing up. They're showing out. They're still within three points of LAFC. Um, granted, they had a really, really absolutely brutal friendly against Pachuca in the international break. Um, but I, I think I think with the way he's been playing, I think we need to give a, a nickname to Maxi. And instead of just calling him Maxi, we need to start calling him Senor Tejas. 
Senor Tejas. <laughs> I, I can I can roll with that. I don't think you you're going to get nationwide exposure. On no, it, but uh, Senor Tejas, that's pretty good. I like. That. I, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> if you hear that name anywhere else, you just you have to know they listen to our podcast. <laughs> While we're speaking of that, just remember that also we coined the pit for the nickname for the St. Louis Stadium. In case you ever hear below ground field, yes, the pit. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, Senor Tejas, Mister Texas, nah. How about uh, Daddy down in Atlanta? Took some time off, had his knee scoped again, had a little work done. How did Joseph Martinez look this week, Sean? Did we just refer to Joseph Martinez as as Daddy? Daddy? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's how. That's oh no, his nickname. Yep, that's. Oh no, that's that's. And it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't me. Okay, Not my daddy, um, just daddy. I'm gonna go ahead and just Orlando's call him Poppy daddy instead. Mostly. mostly the daddy over Orlando City. That's where it came from. He called yeah. him their daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna call him Poppy. Um. <laughs> anyway, Martinez comes back into form as Atlanta gets the two nil win. Uh, it was it was all him and oh, what was the other guy's name? Moreno. My bad. Uh, Arango. Arango? Arajo. Arango plays for LAFC. Ah, uh, uh, Arujo. Arujo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was <laughs> on this match- episode of the Soccer Capital podcast, three men failed to pronounce a name. <laughs> it's but confusing, no, Atlanta. <laughs> they all come in at the same time with similar names. <laughs> uh, Atlanta gets gets the 2 0 win with on the backs of Martinez and Arujo. They both combined with each other to get both goals. Um, you take a look at, at them just bossing this game and the new goalkeeping signing. I think it's safe to say Atlanta's going to be a force to reckon with going into the second half of the season. Could be. Could be. Yeah. This uh, Atlanta uh, game Diego was... Amalda was not in this game. There's already rumors that Boca Juniors wants to take him off of Atlanta's hands. He's already the highest signing in MLS history, so that's a lot of cash. Uh, he was suspended for this and two others. Uh, he showed signs of getting into it. Uh, Atlanta still has a bunch of players that just take pot shots and don't finish off their chances. They're all freestylers, but Joseph Martinez is the one that they can all rally around because instead of taking that shot from outside the box, you make that pass to him and he's going to demand it in training. He's going to absolutely demand it because uh, he's <laughs> he's daddy. earned it. <laughs> he daddy. Uh, you give him the the ball and he scores the goals, and that's what Atlanta's been missing. They create chances like crazy. They don't score any goals because they're doing things. But ah, this the exact opposite of the U.S. men's national team attack. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if Atlanta's not big enough team that can dominate, there's a team out west. Uh, in the Pacific Northwest, that seems to be heating up and uh, just quietly chucking up the standings. I wonder who it could be. Um, in case you couldn't guess, it, I'm giving you all three seconds now to place your bets. And if you didn't, three, two, one, put $100 on Seattle Sounders, you would have lost the bet. <laughs> but the Sounders had two games this week because they had a midweek game against the Whitecaps in some Cascadia Cup action. And in true Sounders fashion, they absolutely dominated with Rui Diaz getting a brace, 
Nico Ladero being Nico Ladero and getting a fifth minute penalty, the the Sounders machine just keeps chugging along. Yeah, uh, Rui Diaz actually picked up a hamstring, so he missed the next game. Ladero, on the other hand, looks as healthy as he's looked in a year and a half. He looks completely, and that changes everything for this team. Yeah, the uh, the Sounders Death Star is picking up their pace after uh, after league play, or I guess competition play. Um, they're picking up pace in league play, and we all knew this was coming, right? This is the best team in MLS. Well, they got a on test. paper. They got a test after the midweek game. They had to uh, then play LAFC, Supporter Shield. Who's winners. the Who's the best team and- in the table? <laughs> And while it was a bit sloppy, it sure was exciting and a little chippy. Oh, it definitely felt like I was watching a playoff game, 100%. Um, Seattle did Seattle things. LAFC did LAFC things. They went back and forth. They traded goals. They, they you know, caused fouls. It was. It felt like it was intense, like a playoff match. And this was in the middle of the week, in the middle of the season. Um, but Albert Rusnak is absolutely showing off why Seattle wanted him and Seattle showing off why they wanted him. He's playing absolutely fantastic. And he gets the Sounders goal in this one. Yeah. And and only that uh, they, they signed him for the biggest free agent signing in MLS history. And now he's playing like a number eight sort of freestyle to take the Jao Paulo part to link up the back. So you got him back in the defense in a low lying midfielder role and he's killing it. After being a really attacking force, it just shows what kind of team they have. And he's able to freestyle and get around and get up in the box because they got the 17-year-old Alaska dual national uh, Obed Vargas, who's holding down the single pivot in what looks now to be a 4-3-3 instead of Schmetzer's uh, usual 4-2-3-1 location. And Rusnak's just quality just pure MLS quality to drop back into defense and still have impact on the game is starting to come through week in and week out. What a huge huge signing. Absolutely showing off his box-to-box skills. He can play back and, and, you know, play some defense there, but also showing his attacking prowess. He goes literally box-to-box all game, running back and forth. He's got a good engine on him. Uh, He can run at guys. He can make incisive passes and he can have some finishing skill uh great he reads the game so well that he recognized instantly the miscommunication between crepo and Ilya on where the pass was going intercepts it before Ilya even knows what's happening and then that ball's in the back of the net next thing you know uh absolutely brilliantly read the play uh he's just showing off his skill and he deserves that high price tag 100 percent Rui Diaz did not play in the LAFC game, and it kind of showed the finishing for the Sounders was off, kind of sloppy. Ladero was a f- monster in this game. Uh, Christian Roldan didn't really have this best game, but there's other ones to pick up. And then you got a 17-year-old Obed Vargas holding down that midfield role to open up Rusnak to kind of change things for this team. And next year, he could be replaced by Jao Paulo, who had a real shout at being player of the year in MLS last year. Yeah. Uh, it's They are a machine. And also, <laughs> Ladero was a machine in this game? <laughs> he's, a, he's a monster in every game. Well, the last year, he's 
back's been hurting him, knees, he hasn't been the same. He's he's getting he seems to be back to health and that just adds to it. And then Absolutely you get out on the break and you got Jordan Morris just running at people at that that pace and that size and his skill in front of the net and it just scares the hell out of people. Oh yeah, Jomo out here making his best case for trying to be on that that peripheral roster for the World Cup. He wants to go to Qatar for sure and he's doing a dang good job of showing why he wants to be there and should be there. Yeah. Moving on from Rusnak and the Sounders to where Rusnak came from, RSL go out and take a, a I guess crucial three points against Team Chaos in San Jose Earthquakes. How about RSL? Man, they're like second in supporter yeah. shield. I don't know what they're doing, but there's a lot of fight. This is a cliche. There's a lot of fight in this dog. They they, they were defend, like this. They go out. They don't play pretty, but they'll kill you if you give them an inch. They'll defend like mad, and they just keep winning. And Rio Tinto is going nuts, and they've got a real home field advantage right now. They were like this last year, too. Remember? Not like this. They're much better. Not than like this, but no. they've been doing this, just quietly tearing it up. And they lost yeah, no, last back, year. and Dimir Krylak's been hurt. Krylak's coming back. But Jefferson Severino, they brought back as a DP. Wow, what a goal he scored <laughs> this week. Kicking that oh, yeah. uh, volley up over, over the defender and then putting in the goal. There's something happening in Salt Lake City this year. I think it's just Salt Lake being Salt Lake because last year they, yeah, they they were quiet because they started out not great and then had a resurgence. Um, but this year they're just having the resurgence the entire year. And honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that now that they have an actual owner, uh, Pablo Mastroeni comes in and is absolutely coaching up a storm. I think he deserves talk for coach of the year. And a shout out to the actual owner. Because the fan base has been saying over and over, they brought excitement and brought something to this team. And that doesn't happen very enough, very much with ownership, especially in a corporate, non-pro-level league like MLS, to have an owner come back in and actually inject, you know, real vibrancy into a franchise, which they have done in a very short time here. And it's paying off in results. It's tangible. It's something you can touch, feel, and taste. Yeah. And also, maybe there's something in the water in Salt Lake. Might be salt. <laughs> bad joke. Wow. I got a laugh out of it. It's not a bad joke. <laughs> it was so bad, it was funny. How about the Philadelphia? We're kind of expecting them to be good, but they're kind of meh right now, aren't they? Yeah, meh is, is a bit of a, a, a misnomer. Um, they're meh in the fact that they're getting more draws than you'd expect from a team in the top two or three of their conference. But that's the Philly way. They just kind of, they play their game. They're playing a little bit more direct and vertical now. Uh, but again, they're getting more draws than wins. And I mean, that's a good formula to keep you in the playoff race. And at the end of the day, once you make the playoffs. Yeah. Regular season doesn't matter much at all. It's about stepping it up. But I really think they need they need something special, some pace or some creativity in the midfield to or even in attack to really take them to that next level and start turning those those draws into wins. Yeah, because they're getting like 
Nashville results. And last year, we all celebrated Nashville uh, getting all these draws and making the playoffs. But Philly should be performing better than that, right? They should be getting more than just draws. Uh, actually, Nashville never had a stretch like this. Like seven of the last eight games have been draws for Philly. Even Jim Curtin, player, coach, been there forever. He's calling out, we need someone. El Sino has talked about coming out of retirement to inject something at the end of the game for this team, which me being a huge El Sino fan, I'd love to see him come in and start skipping around people. But uh, Michael Ure has been hurt and ineffective, hasn't scored. They just, Gazdag has been playing out of position too far forward. He's a really only attacking option. The kids just haven't clicked on like we thought they would. Quinn Sullivan uh, and uh, uh, Aronson, Paxson Aronson, haven't really kicked on. Of course, they're extremely young. Uh, they just need something because this team has a lot of talent. There's a lot here to work with that they had something that could attack. This team could win the Supporter Shield. And maybe maybe the Philly Union just need the city of Philadelphia to stop greasing the light poles and have some people climb up there. Because <laughs> it seemed to work last time. <laughs> some Thank fan injection that. would be nice <laughs> for sure. Speaking of fan injection, uh, how about New England just snubbing the fans this weekend in Matt Turner's send-off game? For the Revolution. Oh, you mean the fact that it was his last game in uh, Revolution jersey and they didn't even play him? Yeah, that one. Oh, my goodness. They didn't need him. Well, I don't care if you don't need him. It's his last game. You got to give the fans something. That'd be like that would be like in the last game of the regular season. If God forbid, knock on wood, the Cardinals don't make the playoffs this year and they sat Wayno, Yachty, and Albert and said, here you go, fans. It's their last game ever in a Cardinals uniform. Say goodbye to them from the dugout. You you got to give him the Matt Holiday. You got to exactly. give him the run out. Who's their coach? It's Bruce Arena. Bruce Arena, like, he, he's leaving. He's not here. Give Petrovic the start. He's my guy. He's who we're rolling with. That's Bruce Arena. Do the fans care? He don't care. Do, <laughs> do us, the commentators, care? No, we don't care. It's all narrative. Who's going to uh, play? He's going to play the guy that's going to be playing next week. I, I, think, uh, I think do us as the commentators care. No, I think you're outnumbered two to one on that statement. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, well, I mean, it doesn't matter. We're outnumbered one to 400 million because Bruce Arena decided what Bruce Arena wanted yeah. to do. And Bruce is going to do what Bruce is going to do. No, you're you're right on that. But uh, no, they, they did. Yeah, there's nothing that we could do to stop it. But... <laughs> They definitely no, they should have the given him the Matt Holiday. They should have given him a run out. Well, apparently they did outside of the game. Yeah, that doesn't so count. Can't. That's not the same. And how much did Arsenal have in this? Don't play him. Don't play him. We're actually, we're we're excited to bring him in as our backup. Don't get him hurt. Don't play Arsenal. him. Oh, he has aspirations uh, I, from... Quoted from Matt himself, he has aspirations of doing everything he can to put as much pressure on Ramsdale as possible, which makes me think he they made him think he has a chance at actually starting because Arsenal might need something. If nothing else, just a kick in the pants for Ramsdale. But that's a different podcast for Across the Pond. <laughs> Ars Arsenal might want an American yeah. starting and goalkeepers as safest bet possible. For, for, to... this, uh, for this podcast, at least, we can say Stan Kroenke strikes again. 
Cronky doing Cronky things. Couple other, anything else exciting in MLS? Well, Chicago got a much needed win, but in order to do so, they got hit by the injury bug a little bit. Most importantly, Jerdan Shakiri is now out again. Got hurt on international duty, didn't he? Ah, uh, yeah, I believe so. He got hurt on inter. No, no, no. I think he actually left this match with a knock. Oh no, no, he was already hurt for this match. I was wrong. Ma- yeah. Mea culpa. No, he did pick that up on international duty, so he is he is out yet again. That's pretty much been what he does. I mean, when they signed him to all that money, that's still pretty much what he's been. So they made that. On the other hand, the Fire did get the win, and uh, they beat DC United, and those two teams right now fighting for the wooden spoon, because SC Cincinnati's not winning the wooden spoon this year. (laughs) Toughest competition in MLS week. I mean, yeah. hey, if you've got Cincy not not being at the bottom, you got to have a couple of teams fighting for it, right? Cincy's tearing it up. <laughs> Cincy's going to the playoffs. Uh, last I don't year's know if I'd say they're tearing it up anymore, but, but they're going to the playoffs. They're they're yeah. they're on par with Charlotte for that last spot at the moment. Yeah, Charlotte's going to fade. Cincinnati's going to be there. The big question out west is: Will Colorado get their self together because they've had trouble on the road? But they did waltz into Yankee Stadium. I believe it was Yankee Stadium, and got a draw with NYCFC, which is pretty good sign for them. Yeah, yeah but that was an absolutely beautifully built-up goal from Barrios. Like, just beautifully, beautifully touched, beautifully finished. It was a well-deserved goal. So, yeah. also, it's, it's, it is kind of hard to go and get a win when you're being shadowed over by the absolutely massiveness that is the championship banner. <laughs> yes, I will get any chance I can uh, to dig on that printer paper. All, all seven feet of it. The Avalanche will have a bigger banner. But that's about uh, all we got this week for MLS. Yeah, that's about all I've got for MLS this week. One last thing uh, on the domestic side, club side. We do have some Open Cup action this week and next. We have the quarterfinals going on. We have couple of teams not in the MLS that are in the quarters. Uh, that first matchup is going to be the night of recording, so you will already know the result of this match between Sacramento Republic from the USL Championship and the LA Galaxy. Tomorrow night, then, or tonight for you listener, we have two games actually going on almost simultaneously. We have NYCFC against New York Red Bulls. We have a derby game in the US Open Cup. And then also we have Union Omaha from USL 1, the league below championship. They are playing Sporting Kansas City at Children's Mercy Park. That's a cup set watch, but at the same time at CMP, we'll see how that one goes. And then next week we have Nashville SC against Orlando SC in Orlando. And hopefully in two weeks time, we'll have some semifinal matchups that are exciting to tell you all about then. It was a full week ago, but the U.S. men's national team did play their uh, last game of the window, a Nations League um, Nations Nations League game against El Salvador in El Salvador. Um, was hoping to see something, learn something about some of the new guys in camp and how they played it. Didn't really get a chance because it was raining and the pitch was just a mud bath. It was a mess. Uh, knew that going in, the team was aware of this. It was a 1-1 draw. 
Uh, Jordan Morris had a header very, very late in the game. Uh, to win the game, the team celebrated like crazy. And the biggest thing that we did learn from this is this team does have fight in them. They knew to get it done. They kept pushing, 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 and had the quality to score the goal at the end. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> not to win the game, the, to draw no, the to game. to draw the game. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but it felt like a win when they got that at yeah. the end. It really did, because it really felt like one of those CONCACAF trap games. You're playing in a mud in Central America uh, on a pitch that's just a mess. They had to play completely direct. None of the other games that they normally play, they had to adapt. The young kids, and this is an extremely young national team, they adapted, they kept pushing, everything was lined up against them, and they still got got the point out of it, still got uh, a result coming out of this, and they've come a long way since the start of World Cup qualifying, where on a nice pitch in El Salvador, they got blown away because the intensity of being an away game in World Cup qualifying kind of blew the young kids away. They didn't get blown away by this experience, which was much harsher than that what they experienced earlier. And in light of that, uh, other news that happened this week was the World Cup uh, host cities for North America's big 2026 hosting of the World Cup. That's coming up quickly, too, folks. Uh, they were announced this week there's going to be 11 cities in the U.S., Three cities in Mexico and uh, two Canadian cities will get the chance to play host in this joint World Cup. The second joint World Cup that there's been. Uh, the Mexican host cities will be in Monterrey, Guadalajara, and of course Mexico City in Azteca. Uh, Can Canada will get hosts at uh, Toronto and BMO Field because of course. And in Vancouver, because, of course, everybody wants to go to Vancouver. Yeah, at, uh, uh, at BC Place. Yes, because they're all in the big stadiums. Don't look at any little stadiums here. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have New York, New Jersey, get it, the MetLife Stadium uh, in New Jersey. But they're going to say New York because, well... They want New York. Well, it's <laughs> pretty close to New York, to be honest. Uh, LA is going to get it. That's at SoFi Stadium, uh, which is not wide enough to host a FIFA event. So they're going to have to do some work on the stadium there. Go or, uh, you know, bribe some FIFA officials, which has never happened and will never happen, of course. Yeah. Uh, in Dallas, said Jerry Jones's little baby there, the big stadium. Uh, Santa Clara, the 49er stadium in San Francisco area. They're gonna get it. That's a good. That's a good venue. Uh, Miami at the football stadium. Atlanta, Mercedes Benz. Uh, they have said that they're going to put in grass fields there at Mercedes Benz. That means that uh, dome will be open more often than not. Uh, Seattle, same thing. Lumen Field. The what a great experience both in Atlanta and Seattle to expose the world to what's going on in those cities and the rabbit fan bases and what they can do. They're going to put in grass at Lumen Field that they announced even before the bid. Houston's in on this. Philadelphia, Boston, 
And Kansas City here in the Midwest is going to get that. It's going to be at Arrowhead, not at Children's Mercy Park, because you got to support the fans. And if anything we learned from way back in 94 is the fans will come to the U.S. These venues will get filled. Excitement will be big. In 94, the U.S. hosted one of the best hostings ever for a World Cup. And uh, this is exciting news for those around the city. And Kansas City puts it in our ballpark here. Yeah, one important thing to note here as we look at what what cities and stadiums are getting played, there is a minimum required number of seats you have to have to be able to host any games. And the more important the game, the more seats you're required to have to be eligible for said game. Um, and that minimum is, I believe, 40,000, which is why they're playing at Arrowhead and not at Sporting Park. Uh, sorry, Children's Mercy Park. Um, and why they're playing at, you know, Atlanta and other places where they just have these giant stadiums because that's what's required. Um, or or say playing at like the 49ers field instead of at the at San Jose's park. Exactly. Is also why uh you will see if you haven't already that BMO Field is going to be hosting it, but they're going to be adding another so- something like 15 to 20,000 seats between now and then. That was just announced today as well, guaranteed so that they can host a game. And that's a big deal for Toronto. Uh, They've had big support for a team that's had three years of fantastic success on the field and a lot of years of middling success. Fan base has already been there, but suddenly they're going to be in one of the largest venues in MLS. Uh, They have great ambitions. They haven't been able to get them on the field. It's time for them to step up and fill that out because Toronto can fill that stadium every week Uh, i mean toronto is the home of american sports in canada unless you're the toronto make maple leaves now toronto's a big big city yeah uh they could support this but it's a big step and it can be intimidating to try to fill a stadium that large uh for a secondary sport basically both in the u.s and uh, toronto so they're, they're going to be have a little uh, infrastructure uh, uh, crisis going on in Toronto afterwards. See how this works out. I'm, I, I'm sure Toronto can find uses for that stadium, though. i genuinely kind of surprised that because usually any host country has to go through some very significant infrastructure change. And usually that means slum clearance and making uh, poor people homeless uh, in order to build a stadium that will be used once. Um, The only big infrastructure for this World Cup is going to be that change at BMO Field. That's a big deal in this whole bid. It's the fact that Mexico, U.S. and Canada all can support this. Supposedly, Mexico was putting in their own bid for the World Cup. The U.S. was, too. They got together and decided to make it a conjoined World Cup. But the infrastructure is already in place. And there's a lot of cities that really wanted this World Cup that could host it in the U.S., in Canada, and in Mexico. Uh, But they didn't get the bid because, actually, as opposed to the rest of the world, it's already here. It it could be the drop of a hat. If they backed out of Qatar, say, tomorrow, 
They could change it to the U.S. The logistics would be a nightmare. But the U.S. could host this, possibly. U.S., Mexico, and Canada amongst the three probably very well could pull off a World Cup at the last second if they had to. If they had to. But, uh, no, FIFA would never do that. They already got their petrodollar bribe. Well, there's that. Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, and also, like, remember the talk about, like, oh, well, with the new stadium coming into St. Louis, we could host. No. And we were never going to be a host city. We don't have enough seats. No, there's no way. And they're definitely not going to play at Edward, Edward, Edward Jones or they whatever that Bush. Jones is called. Play it at Bush. <laughs> they could play it at Bush. Bush is grass. <laughs> Possibly. It's true. Possibly. I think we can also fit 40,000 people in Bush. Oh, yeah. I think the max capacity at Bush is 45,000. I think what we I think what we could see at best is a couple of teams using St. Louis's the city's facilities as their training or their home base, quote unquote, um, that are going to be stuck in this region because they're splitting it up by region. So you have an east, a west and a central they're yeah. slicing it into three, and then you're going to stay within that region for your games. No, I mean, this isn't getting a World yeah. Cup host. No, the ho- the hosts have already been announced. It's over. It was more as far just as a, games. It's just a joke. But that I, I think that goes as games. Now, but I don't think it, I think you can stay game. somewhere else if you're close enough. Yeah, but Bush has hosted soccer games before friendlies. Oh, they have, and yeah. the biggest attendance. The, World Cup. the biggest attendance at Bush has been a friendly soccer game, but, but they're not getting a World Cup. Game. No, it, yeah, and never, also ever, that's ever, ever, ever. Uh, it's uh, it's already over. Just never going to have the stadium to do it in St. Louis. Just not. It's not going to happen. They'd have to. They'd have to tear down and rebuild the dome without the dome just to even have a shot and. They're not going to do that because the dome just is there um, and no one's ever going to do anything with it. <laughs> the only thing that the dome hosts now are gun shows. Big one not on this list is Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's a big one because Soldier Field right in the heart of Chicago is the perfect place and they can support it, but they're not on the list. So yeah. that's the biggest snub, I would think. But I think that's all we got for this week, and I think that's enough. I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.